beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we today celebrate Christ's resurrection? Some of you might answer by remembering it in our worship service on Easter Sunday. It's true that on Easter Sunday we pay particular attention to Christ's resurrection. But we celebrate Christ's resurrection more often than just once a year. The Christian church has changed its day of rest from the seventh day to the first day of the week. It did so to commemorate Christ's resurrection. And therefore, each Sunday, we gather together to remember Christ's resurrection from the dead. Was Christ's resurrection such an important event that it was worth changing the day of worship in order to remember it? Yes, for Christ's resurrection is essential for our salvation. If Christ has not risen, our faith is empty and futile. Without Christ's resurrection, his death would be meaningless. If Christ had not risen, we would still be in our sins. Then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. The point is that Christ's resurrection proclaims to all creatures that he is victorious over sin, Satan, and death. Despite its importance, none of the Gospels tells us exactly what happened in the resurrection. There are no eyewitnesses to tell us of how Christ arose from the dead. The Bible gives us many eyewitnesses of our risen Lord. It gives us lots of evidence to make it clear that the resurrection truly happened. This is to counter the deception of Satan. For although he lost the battle on Golgotha against our Savior Jesus Christ, Satan continued to attack the church. Immediately after Christ's resurrection, Satan made up a story about how the disciples stole Christ's body. In this way, Satan tries to draw people away from putting their trust in our risen Lord. Our text this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. One of the themes of Matthew's Gospel is that Jesus Christ is King of all the earth. Matthew has emphasized Christ's kingship by showing how he was born out of the line of King David and of how the wise men came from the east searching for the king of the Jews. He demonstrates how Christ had dominion over all kinds of illnesses, evil spirits, even over the wind and the sea. He makes it clear that Jesus went upon, went into Jerusalem before his final Passover as a king, riding on a donkey, and of how Jesus was put to death for claiming to be the king of the Jews. And so, when speaking about Christ's resurrection, Matthew emphasizes, he rose from the dead as our victorious king. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. In his resurrection, Jesus Christ is exalted as victorious king. He receives royal honor from God his Father, from the angels, his servants, 
and from the women as part of his church. What a sad weekend it must have been for all Christ's followers. On Friday, they had seen their Lord crucified. Saturday was the Sabbath, the day of rest, on which they were not allowed to do any work. Normally, it was a day in which their master went into the temple to teach the people. Yet this Sabbath, he was no longer with them. It would have been a long and dreary day, filled with many questions and few answers. Christ's followers had put their faith and trust completely in Jesus. And yet now all his teaching about the kingdom of heaven was put into doubt. Who was Jesus of Nazareth? Who was this man who had claimed to be the Son of God? Was he really the Messiah as they had confessed him to be? Was he truly the King of the Jews? Yes, he was. Matthew shows us in his gospel account that Jesus truly was the Messiah. He was the king he claimed to be. Matthew provides evidence to support this claim. He shows us how Christ receives royal honor from God his Father. Our text tells us that there was a great earthquake early on the first Easter Sunday. This is not the first earthquake that occurred at this time. We read together the last part of Matthew 27. After Christ died and yielded up his spirit, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and the earth shook and the rocks split. Thus we see that already at the time of Christ's death there was an earthquake. In connection with this earthquake, we read that the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Jesus' death sent out a shockwave, as it were, throughout the whole universe. His death had cosmic significance. Through the earthquake, the Father proclaimed Christ's greatness. Through it, he showed how he was well pleased with his Son. It showed the blessings of Christ's death and resurrection in providing new life for his people. It also signified God's wrath against his enemies, those who had crucified the Lord of glory. The second earthquake, which occurred early Sunday morning, was also caused by God. Yet it was different from the earthquake on Friday. Our text shows us that the coming of one of the Lord's angels caused it. It says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So we see that for the second time in a few days, the Lord caused the earth to quake. This time, in connection with the resurrection of his son. When we examine the scriptures, we see that earthquakes have a specific function. They alert us to the fact that God is doing something. Basically, an earthquake means, listen, for the Lord is speaking. Earthquakes occur when the Lord wants to reveal his presence. They occur when the Lord wants to make known his mighty deeds of salvation. They occur when the Lord wants to bring down his wrath on his enemies. The Old Testament records a number of earthquakes that occurred when the Lord made known his mighty deeds of salvation. 
1 Samuel 14 tells us of how Israel was at war with the Philistines. Jonathan takes his armor bearer and together they kill about 20 men. At that point in time, the Lord causes an earthquake. The result is that the Philistines panic and flee in terror from the Israelites and are defeated by them. The passage concludes by stating that the Lord rescued Israel that day. We see something similar happening in 2 Samuel 22. In this passage, David sings a psalm of praise to God for delivering him from the hands of his enemies and from Saul. David confesses that when he was in distress, he cried out to the Lord. The result is that the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. The Lord delivered David from his strong enemy, from those who hated him, from those who were too strong for him. Similarly, in Isaiah 29.6 and Ezekiel 38.19, the prophets speak about the Lord bringing severe earthquakes to avenge his people against their enemies. At times in the news, we hear reports of earthquakes happening in different places. Sometimes they happen in remote places and they don't impact people that much. Other times they can result in the death of thousands of people, in the destruction of much property. When people in earthquake zones survive an earthquake, they know that they are not yet safe. For many earthquakes are followed by aftershocks. These are absolutely terrifying. People sit up and take notice when the earth beneath them shakes. Well, that's precisely what God intended with the earthquakes at the time of Christ's death and resurrection. In these earthquakes, God signals he is at work in the redemption of his people. These signs are meant to make people sit up and take notice. The Lord is speaking and we should listen. And what's the Lord saying to us? Through these earthquakes, he's highlighting that Christ's death and resurrection are critical events in the history of this world. Christ's death and resurrection are the basis for the Christian faith. Through them, the Lord delivers us from our sins and restores us in our relationship with him. So we see that the Father causes the earthquakes to happen to highlight the salvation work of his Son. In this way, Christ receives royal honor from God as Father. The Father causes the earth to tremble to point out the exalted position of his Son. Christ has done all what was necessary to redeem his people. As the Son of God, our Savior was willing to humble himself completely for our sake. He took on our flesh and blood. He suffered terribly under the burden of our sins. He went the way of the cross to make the payment God required of him. Our Lord suffered hellish agony to deliver us from our sins. Because Christ willingly humbled himself unto death, 
The Father now exalts him to glory. Christ's resurrection is the first step of his exaltation. He rose from the dead as our victorious king. Through an earthquake on Easter Sunday, the Father signals he is at work, bringing salvation for his people and judgment on his enemies. The guards at Jesus' tomb were so afraid, they shook, and they became like dead men. But for Christ's followers, the way is open for them to witness the signs of his resurrection. Brings us to our second point. And we'll see that Christ receives royal honor from the angels, his servants. Our text tells us that the angel performs a special function in Christ's resurrection. It says that an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. As part of the angel's function was to remove the large stone from the entrance to the tomb. Did he do this so that the Lord could come out? No. Our text doesn't say this. In Gethsemane, when Jesus was praying for strength for his upcoming suffering, an angel came from heaven to strengthen him. At that point in time, Christ needed this kind of support. Yet our Lord no longer needs this kind of help from angels. For after his death and burial, Christ is no longer in humiliation. With his resurrection, he is in glory. Jesus didn't need the stone removed to come out of the tomb. Christ could simply leave the grave after his resurrection. In the time between his resurrection and ascension, we see that Christ is no longer subject to the constraints of our earthly bodies. He has taken on a glorified body. We see how he passes through walls and suddenly appears in the midst of his disciples. We see how after speaking with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, he suddenly vanished from their sight. In his resurrection, our Lord became the king of glory. He's not subject to our physical walls. One moment Christ was in the tomb, and the next moment he was out. The angel rolled away the stone from the entrance of the tomb so that the women and their disciples could come in and see. The stone was removed to provide the church with witnesses that the tomb was empty. This witness is important because Satan has tried to discredit Christ's resurrection. He tries to lead God's people astray with the story that the disciples stole Christ's body while the guards were sleeping. Matthew makes it very clear what actually happened with the guards. They were petrified with fear when an angel of the Lord appeared. And they saw that his appearance was like lightning, that his clothes were as white as snow. They were so afraid that in their panic they were frozen to the spot. They became like dead men. It's a repeat of what happened at the beginning of Jesus' life. When an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks in fields near Bethlehem. 
when an angel of the Lord appears and the glory of God shines forth, the shepherds were filled with great fear. When God shows forth his glory, people cower and fear. Matthew tells us in the following verses, in the verses following our text, that the guards reported what had happened to the chief priests. And they paid the guards a large sum of money to spread the story that the disciples came at night and stole Christ's body while they slept. If you examine this lie purely on its own merits, you see it holds no water. If the guards were truly asleep, how do they know that the disciples stole Christ's body? Yet to combat such lies, the Lord made sure that there were many eyewitnesses of Christ after his resurrection. Our text makes it clear that an angel was busy in the service of his exalted king. He remained at the tomb, sitting on the stone, to direct the women in the truth of Christ's resurrection. When the women arrive at the tomb, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. The angel knows that the women came looking for the crucified Jesus. Gently, he corrects their mistake. He directs them to the place where the Lord lay. In doing so, the angel makes the point that Jesus Christ is Lord, And king, that's what they had forgotten in all their sorrow and grief. Thus we understand the angel's command to the women not to be afraid. Why should they fear? They don't need to be afraid of Christ's crucifixion and of all its results. They don't need to ask all those questions about who Jesus of Nazareth was. They shouldn't doubt his claims that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of the Jews. For he is risen, just as he said. Christ's resurrection is proof that all his other claims are also the truth. That he truly is the promised Messiah, the King of the Jews. That he came as the Good Shepherd to lay down his life for his sheep, but that in accordance with what he had often predicted, Christ truly had risen from the dead. The the angel instructs the women to go quickly and tell his disciples that he had risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. The women went out of the tomb with fear and great joy, And they ran to bring the disciples' word. Their action shows that they believed the message given them by the angels. From this we see that the angels serve as Christ's servants. As Hebrews 1.14 teaches us, the angels are ministering spirits sent forth to serve those who will inherit salvation. The gospel accounts about the resurrection show us that the angels served their risen king, by witnessing the truth of his resurrection. Thus Christ receives royal honor from the angels. They recognize him 
as their Lord and Master. By doing His will, they glorify Him as their victorious King. Brings us to our final point. And we'll see how Christ also receives royal honor from the women as part of His church. Beloved, it is a shame that the church is the last to honor its king. The disciples should have been waiting at the tomb early Sunday morning to honor the king of glory at his resurrection. The women should not have gone to see a crucified Jesus, but a risen Lord. Yet the problem was that they had not understood what their master said to them during his earthly ministry. Earlier in his ministry, Christ said to the Jews, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He was speaking here of the temple of his body, which would rise from the dead after three days. Later in his ministry, Christ plainly told his disciples, he must go to Jerusalem to suffer many things and be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. On the night in which he was betrayed, Christ again told his disciples about his resurrection. He told them that they would all be scattered, but that after he was raised up, he would go before them to Galilee. Yet the disciples and the women did not understand. Therefore they were not there to greet their king when he arose from the dead. After the angels spoke to the women, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to them. In this action of our Savior, we see his great mercy over his scattered sheep. He is the good shepherd who looks after his flock. Upon meeting the women, Christ greets them. Our text tells us the women came and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. They worshipped Christ as God, as their almighty Lord. They worshipped him as their risen king. For they now recognize him as Lord and master of all the earth. He is worthy of receiving all honor and worship from his people. And what about us, beloved? How do we view Christ's resurrection Do we see it as one of the pivotal events in world history? As the basis for the Christian faith? We need to understand that Christ's resurrection is a sign of his victory over sin. We know that Christ earned our righteousness with his death on the cross. His resurrection is proof that God considered his death sufficient to pay. For our sins. Our text makes this clear. Notice the slight difference between what the angel commanded the women and what Christ told them to do. The angel told the women to tell the disciples to go to Galilee. Christ told the women to tell his brothers to go to Galilee. In that term, brothers, we see the effect of Christ's death and resurrection. Christ has restored his people in their relationship with God. His disciples now become his brothers. Redeemed by Christ, 
They're adopted by God. We are adopted by God as his sons and daughters. Their sins and our sins have been washed away in Christ's blood. His death served as a payment for our sins. That gives us real hope. In Christ, we have a new status, a new identity. We are redeemed and renewed by the blood and spirit of our Savior. When God now looks at us, he does so through eyes of love. He views us as his dearly beloved people. Christ's resurrection is also a sign of his victory over Satan. Satan had done all he could to prevent Christ from coming into this world. During his earthly ministry, he tempted Jesus and sought to turn him away from accomplishing our redemption. Satan played a large role in orchestrating Christ's death, thinking that if Christ died, he would be victorious. And yet instead, it was precisely through Christ's death that God accomplished our redemption. By Christ's power, we are now raised up to a new life. We need to understand that spiritually we go through the same process that Christ underwent. Just as Christ physically died and rose again, so in our lives by the power of Christ, we die to sin. We are raised up to walk in newness of life. The basic point is simple, beloved. We're no longer ruled by our sinful nature. As children of God, the Holy Spirit has come to make His home in us. As redeemed people, we're no longer under the dominion of Satan. Christ is our King. By His Word and Spirit, He helps us to live holy lives to the praise and glory of His name. Christ's resurrection also assures us of his victory over death. By rising from the dead, Christ shows the grave could not hold him captive. And neither will it be able to hold us captive. Even when the time comes for us to die, we don't need to be afraid. For Christ will take our souls into heaven to be with him. His resurrection assures us that he will raise our bodies as well. When Christ comes on the clouds of heaven, our bodies will be raised from the dead and reunited with our souls and made like Christ's glorious body. So Christ's resurrection gives us a living hope about the inheritance that we will receive. It assures us we will live with God eternally on new heavens and a new earth. Beloved, we may praise God for his wondrous works of redemption each Sunday. On the day of the resurrection of our Lord, we come together to worship our risen Lord. The church has changed its day of worship from the Sabbath day to the Sunday because of the importance of Christ's resurrection it's proof Christ has won the battle over sin, Satan, and death. 
It assures us that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, for we share in the benefits of his victory. Praise be to God for redeeming us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from hymn 32.